Greetings. On this edition of Discologist you will be experiencing some weird but great new folk from Richard Dawson, mind-expanding jazz from Charles Lloyd and his friends Bill Frizzell and Thomas Morgan, and some brand new Sunset Strip saturated sounds from LA's drug dealer and their new album Hiding in Plain Sight. Please enjoy responsibly. It is now time for you to experience the show. Satisfied customers Back again. Uh, loving our shit. I still think... <clears throat> All right, people. Calm down. Come down. Quiet okay. down. Okay. Settle down. All right. I, I have it on good authority that this, they are cheering for uh, the, the demise of Chunky Glasses as we know it. But... <laughs> They're here to dance on Chucky Glasses' grave. Yeah, yeah. I, keep, I keep dropping hints about that. But we'll, we'll talk about that at the end of the season. But uh, right now, uh, we got another great show for you. And I'm glad that we are kind of getting towards the end of the season. Because I do feel like we're getting a little off track. I feel like, you know, uh, the, the mission is like to get like all like as deep as we can. And I know my track is, is certainly not necessarily deep, although I doubt anybody will know what it is. And I know the album we're talking about today is like, <laughs> is it's certainly peak me. I think it's going to be peak you. Um, yes. But it's, it's drug dealers hiding in plain sight. Um, so, which might as well be known, called, you know, Tell Me You Love Steely Dan without actually playing a Steely Dan song. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. Um, good. real quick, you, you just took a, you went on tour with Pavement. I was just, well, I was in one place, but, um, I saw that the counts. four Pavement shows, yeah, I saw the four Pavement shows in London at the Roundhouse Theater. With some lovely humans who I'd, you know, like internet friends who I got to meet for the first time in real life. And um, and I got to do it in London. And the four pavement shows were fucking great. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the, 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 there's a couple of pieces out there on on this, this tour and, and why it succeeds as being more than just a kind of nostalgia thing. Um, and how Pavement have kind of revisited parts of their catalog and made it seem, you know, fresh and relevant. And um, the playing is great. The the atmosphere is great. It's just it's just a lovely place to spend roughly an hour forty two minutes. Sometimes yeah. as many as an hour fifty three, depending on <laughs> how far they're going to go. But it was great. I mean, I mean, they're 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 currently working with a you know pr- probably like a sixty plus song list. Mm-hmm. Um. Which means that I'll go back and look at this. I don't think there might. It's possible there wasn't a song. I saw Pavement five times on on this tour. It's possible there wasn't a song that was played at all five shows I went to, which would be really surprising and unique for for Pavement because they were not known for being you know setlist gestures like that. Right, right. But I mean, they're they're out to ensure they can go out again, right? I mean, it's unclear. Well, it's un- like everyone, you know, we all we all had this moment. Um, you know, I had a friend who was only able to make it for night one, and we were grabbing pints at the pub before heading over there. And he said, "I think this might, you know, there's a very real chance this will be the last pavement gig I ever go to." And that 
kind of made me sad. And then I realized like, oh shit, I'm three nights away from having, from having that same experience. Um, yeah, it's unclear. It's really, it's really unknown. Um, I hope they, I hope they find, I hope they find a way to keep this kind of sense of urgency and relevance and fun that they've brought to this. If they're going to keep going, Mm. um, you know, I don't know if they can keep going if it's really just going to be a like play the hits kind of show. That's that's too close to the 2010 tour, and that was that was that was just not great. Um, you know, there were there were interesting right. moments during that tour, but but by and large, the playing is not nearly as good as what we've heard on this tour. The way they're treating old material is just so fascinating. Songs, you know, you just didn't think you'd get a chance to see live are being not only presented on stage but with you know presented with like style and with attack and it's yeah. really great yeah and I, I think with all the talk about um artists trying to make it and stuff you know I, I, it's important that they're doing that because like they don't have a new album out right but Correct. But, but you know and you don't get a free pass just because you made something back in the 90s uh right. but but i think if you can go out and find your audience and recontextualize that uh, that is a really good thing. Like, I didn't go to a lot of these shows for years, but if Matthew Sweet said, I'm going out and I'm doing Girlfriend and maybe Blue Sky's up, Blue Sky on Mars, the Robert yeah. Klein is dead, so he can't have that back, uh, which I was able to see one of those shows. But if he was going out and doing that, I'd be like, you know what? Yeah. I, I think I, I'm, at, I'm at a point in life that, I, uh, you know, that I'll, I'll go see exciting music, but also... I'll see like music that excited me a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, I, I, I read a great um, thing about this question of how we're going to treat AI art. Right. And that AI art is sort of, it, it's, it's, it's programmed to look familiar to us in some way. Right. It can't, AI art can't be totally, yeah. it can't innovate the way a Jackson Pollock innovated because AI art is programmed to deliver us something that's familiar. And so the big question is, with great art, you know, we revisit it over years and decades and we find new things in it and we learn more about ourselves and about that yeah. work. Right. And, and and so the first question is, like, will any AI art be revisited in 10 or 20 years by anyone? Probably not. But 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 more importantly, what what I've what I had this, you know, what I was kind of firmly convinced of standing in that room, those those four nights and even the show in D.C. is just that for me, these these songs are are great art. And I I love hearing the band storm through them and I love hearing them differently. And I and I love thinking about the fact that these are songs that these guys wrote in their, you know, mid to late 20s, mm-hmm. um, probably with a little bit of snark and attitude about who they were and their place in the world. And now they just get to perform it in this in front of these like just just grateful you know thankful crowds who who really just want nothing more than to be in a room full of people who can sing pavements grounded from beginning to end and yeah. that's a nice room to be in so that, that is that is to, to your point about that uh and this will this will probably horrify some listeners but i there's a great playlist uh called there's a 70s soft rock playlist and an 80s soft rock playlist on apple music and i've been hitting those pretty hard but then something like air supply comes on and, and I'm thinking about that song. I'm thinking about the era, you know, uh, t- not not total eclipse of the heart. Uh, you know what? It's good that I don't remember the name of the song. I don't want that too <laughs> too burrowed in my head. But yeah. I, but I think about what they're doing, and I think about how uh, a it fit the moment um, that it was out, and also like how good they were at doing that. 
um, like how objectively good people can be at making songs like that. We're going to get into that with Drug Dealer, but like, no. but like, I feel like that, uh, you know, and revisiting it in that context where I'm not like uh, developing you know, ideas about romance or anything. And this song's always on the radio, you know, looking back at it, it's like, Oh shit. Like as technicians, these guys like saw the goal and they wrote to it. And uh, I get it now. Uh, Similarly, I rewatched Hellraiser last night. Um, (laughs) And, and um, in hindsight, because when I saw it, I was in high school now um and then i didn't understand a lot of the themes and stuff it plays like a hitchcock film Hmm. and and so obviously they're not they're trying to read they did made a kind of terrible thing for hulu a new hellraiser and stuff but that that's what got me to go back and and look at this this old art and look at it in a different way and not look at it in a nostalgic way look at it just like what if i just came to this um i think it's a good exercise for music really good exercise for music yeah, that's that's uh, that's really. I did did not expect Hellraiser to come up here, yeah, but yeah. I think that the the um, but at least what I seem to recall is that the Cenobite mythology is every bit as interesting as it seems. It and they kept is. building on it and expanding to it. Yeah, yeah it, it it's wild, and and if you know a little bit of it, and then go back and watch the first one, you're like, oh, this is actually you know, for example, Pinhead's not the bad guy, right? So right, right. I mean, that's you know something that get, got lost in history. And they're like, oh, he's yeah. he's like Freddy or Jason. I'm like. Actually, he is not. But I, I digress. Right. That, that is for our new film podcast. So, not, I'm just kidding. We're well, not doing that. We're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but but just to, just to, just you know, back to your point there about um, about this little trip I took. I would just say to to any listener, if there's something out there that that'll bring you joy, and you're not sure if you should do it or not, please reach out to me. I will do my damnedest to convince you that you should do something that yeah, brings you joy. He will, and that you shouldn't wait. Yeah, that's actually kind of why we're we're doing the show again now. So. Take, 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 <laughs> right. that, take that for what it's worth. Um, speaking of, let's get on with it. I went first last time, so I think you get the baton this time. Yeah, I'm gonna keep it. Um, I'm gonna keep it a little bit pavement. I saw some great openers on this run. Um, I saw Los Bichos, who were great. I saw um, Bug Plug, and I saw Beak, which is the new. It's like the guy from Portishead. Uh, that was really great. But night one, the opener was this strange person who I'd heard about. Um, and I was not prepared for what that show was going to be. And I'll just say, I just encourage everyone to listen to the lyrics because there's a really sweet, important story happening underneath all of this. Uh, this is Two Halves by Richard Dawson. Instructions from 
King's Priory Are kicking lumps out the It's, I, I think somebody needs to do a study on the effect that uh, Peter Gabriel had on British vocalists. Um, the that, That's the first thing that pops to mind about that, is that that is, yeah. if you were to ask me, I'd say it's Peter Gabriel with Johnny Greenwood guitars. <laughs> um, you know, uh, just this kind of disjointed type of songwriting or performance that... Uh, I can see driving really well at pavement. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. that's what pavement was doing and stuff. But, um, yeah, like that's not honestly necessarily my vibe. Yeah. Uh, but I'm interested to check it people. out. I'm interested <laughs> to see. I'm interested to see like what this guy has has done. Um, just a real quick scan while we were listening to it. Um, there's a great line in his Wikipedia page. <laughs> Lyrically, Dawson's material deals with dark subjects such as death. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, um, 
Yeah, that's interesting. How how did that play live? Um, his falsetto uh, was a little bit of a struggle for some people. I think some. I think there were some right. folks who were put off. Um, you know, credit credit to Pavement for completely disarming their audience by having yeah. um, that guy open. I mean, it was really yeah, it was really really unique. Um, and 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 deliberately off-putting. That's something that that Pavement and Malcolm have always tried to do: is to sort of say, "Hey, if we're going to play you straight ahead indie rock, we're going to give you like stoner sludge doom for forty-five minutes, or we're going to give you, you know, yeah. instrumental percussion or something like that." So yeah. uh, this was sort of a weird modern take on English folk forms, and a nice little story about a kid having a rough day in his soccer league and his dad saying, "Hey, it's okay, shake it off. You know, we yeah. can. We'll get him next week. Let's go get some fish and chips." Yeah. Yeah, which are good. Yeah, <laughs> they're, yes. they're, they're really good. The uh, you know, I I hope uh, I, I I know a good number of uh, Anglophiles, and mm-hmm. for the most part, I find that insufferable. But uh, much love to anybody who is an Anglophile like that. You know about music, <laughs> but um, same thing as like New Zealand, like it's just, you know. But um, I feel like eventually I will hit a phase where I get like six months where I'm hard into that because it's such a different flavor from music anywhere else in the world. And when you understand like, uh, Oh, if you understand the clusterfuck of England right now, that's all, there's going to be a whole (laughs) lot of things coming out of that. But, but you understand how very, very different that society has, has been from what we in America know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's deceptive um, to think that, we have a lot in common with them. Um, it's a really, yeah. it's really a, a radically, you know, different. Um, and 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 you know, you hear it. Uh, I think I think what someone pointed out to me once is that the way to understand English and Celtic folk is that imagine if there were like a strain of music where the blues never existed and nothing was ever influenced by the blues. Right. And that's kind of where I think for a lot of us it sounds a little tuneless at times. It sounds a little bit like we can't quite find. The, the the harmonic changes that really you know allow yeah, us to sink our teeth yeah, into it yeah. but but if you think about it yeah it makes sense like those those folk forms predate the blues they 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 didn't develop alongside the blues they weren't you know the people doing that were the rockers right that was rolling right. stones that was right. the beatles uh the english folkies were not trying to learn from the blues and it's really interesting how it stayed that way and that culture is so uh you know you we've talked about a lot actually seeing like pink floyd bands of that generation uh influenced by world war ii but that culture is just like just soused in war like yeah. just just what people's experiences are and it's something that we just don't have any real we don't have a way to conceive of it i mean i don't yeah. i mean do you in brazil like even like I, I mean you know it's it's funny there's um there's definitely some missing pieces um there's there's some shared shared connection points um but uh but you know that you know, for most Brazilians, sort of old English, uh, older English culture is going to be rooted in, um, you know, Arthurian legends and that yeah. kind of thing, right? Like that's kind of um, how they how they think about English history. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, no, that's 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 a, that's a great question. Let's think on it and come back to it because yeah, yeah, yeah I think our histories do in, in influence like how we experience music and how we like. The, what we look to discover yeah um 
But yeah, there's there's a lot. You know, it's it's just I, I I hadn't spent a lot of time, even though I studied at a British school when I was a kid. I hadn't spent a lot of time over there, and I hadn't been to the UK since like the mid aughts or something like mm-hmm. that. So I I really got to spend like a full week just all the way in watching. Nice. syndicated variety game shows at oh, night yeah. bullseye, bullseye great watch highly recommend it's a it's like price is right but everything is based on darts mm-hmm. um yeah it's you won't you won't regret it was the jepson air respected over there <laughs> <laughs> i did not get into malort yeah, culture i did not okay. get into yeah, malort culture not. man yeah. you could man you could change a culture if you drop the bottle of malort over there Neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm going to dig into my bag. This is a little obvious one. Uh, we've we've mentioned in the past few weeks my love of Bill Frizzell. Uh He has an album coming out uh, in a couple weeks that I hope we have time to talk about called Four. Uh, this is not that. Uh, this is another jazz artist that I have just completely fallen head over heels for. Uh, sex friend is Charles Lloyd. Uh, he, Ooh, yeah. he plays... Uh, it's it's almost like stit. It's a deceptively like almost like pop style, but he has so much like avant garde like in his toolkit. He can just like spin it around. Um, respected by just about every jazz artist on the planet. I don't know what's been going on because I I've just literally sat down to enjoy the music. Um, but over the past few years, like five years. There's been this real resurgence, and he just keeps on putting out great record after great record. Uh, a lot of them are live. Uh, what what I want to play a track off uh, is a live album. It's called Trio's Chapel. It features Bill Frizzell on, on bass and Thomas Morgan. I mean, Thomas Morgan on bass and Bill Frizzell on guitar. Uh, it's a trio of trios that he's doing, though. And the uh, Trio's Chapel is the one, Trio's Ocean is out now as well, called Gerald Clayton. It has Gerald Clayton and guitarist Anthony Wilson. There's one coming out, the last one coming out, Trio's Sacred Thread, which features Julian Lage and percussionist Zakir Hussein. Uh, I, I have, I've heard them all three. I'm waiting. The Blue Knight is going to sell a box set of them. They're all fantastic. Uh, but anything with Bill Frizzell is going to get my um, attention. And if you put it with... Uh, these other two musicians then i am sold uh so this is uh imr off of uh trio's chapel charles lloyd featuring bill frizzell and bassist thomas morgan Thank mm-hmm. you. 
Yeah, that's a hard, um, it's hard to nail and maintain that, that mood, um, mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't feel, you know, contrived or, or forced or anything like that. Um, who was on, who was on bass again on this session? Uh, on this one is Thomas Morgan. Wow. He had a really, he had a really tough job. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a lot of space. There's a lot of space in that piece, right? Yeah. Um, and um, and you know, Frizzell's his tone, his chord voicings are all just so kind of unique. And um, you know, I have to assume that it 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 it's probably nerve wracking as a bassist to figure out how to like play off of that and how to mm-hmm. um, how to how to hold the piece together um, and maintain that tone and not get you know fussy or anything like that. But God, that was really nice. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think you do it by doing it live. Yeah, you know, I, I think have, being able to have that reaction from the crowd as you're doing this um, can inform like the notes you're going, literally the notes you're going to play, as opposed to just like, hey, I made this piece, and then, uh, and then you just start overplaying. You know, I I know that's my problem as a musician. I, I suspect it's it's every musician's problem. You know, especially a bass player. Yeah, you know, you're like, oh, I'm doing this, but oh, 
I got talent. Yeah, but I could add a talent. little. Yeah, I can add a little more. Like, yep. and, and almost always, never, never add more. <laughs> it's. It takes discipline. It takes discipline yeah. for sure. Yeah, and these guys um, got it. This uh, this whole set. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I was wrong. It is out now. Finally, okay. the third one uh, came out now. So as soon as we get off of this taping, I am ordering the box set from Blue Note. Um, like I said, th- this is Charles Lloyd has just become uh, one of the artists that if he does something, I buy it. Like just mm-hmm. full stop. And, and sorry, I feel like I sound a little flummoxed going into this but it's because i love this so much like this yeah, is just yeah. like I, I i just like there's something about this that it, i don't have to think about kind of like you're thinking about uh, joy i don't have to think about being pleased yeah that's right that's right yeah i'm just like um, yeah this is it man yeah and there is something to be said too for that that uh late night jazz feel you know there's there's something about it that can seem a little again a little just forced a little pastiche but um, but, but, but there is a certain kind of music that you want to play at two in the morning when you're revisiting some of, you know, yeah. <laughs> some complicated parts of your life. And that sounds exactly like it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's out now. Go out and get all three. I had two in Cheers. my hand, two in my hand today. Uh, it was a record store. <laughs> Lily put records in, in Milwaukee. Fantastic store. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and I uh, hope you love LA. Uh, (laughs) because drug dealer sure does Uh, we'll be right back dimmed get the incense burning uh that is the voice you hear is michael collins uh he is a writer producer uh musician uh for the project known as drug dealer the band known as drug dealer uh this is largely a rotating cast of musicians even though you see a lot of them at the same time this is uh if you look up la studio session music 
right now, this should be the picture beside it. Uh, and it is recalling an era um, that some people like to make fun of, uh, some people luxuriate in, uh, but uh, I, I'm in the latter, uh, where it's just people who are are not just telling a story, but really trying to capture a vibe of that specific place. Um, Sunset Strip, uh, specifically, if you've ever been out there um, and you hear songs and music like this, you, you get it and you feel it uh, right away. Um, for this one, uh, well, his first album was out in 2016, The End of Comedy, uh, and the evolution of his work is kind of wild because that was almost like bedroom L.A. vibes. I was going to say, I feel like I remember like much more of like a sort of um, sunny, psychedelic pop kind of feel. Yeah, um, lower five. these guys. Much yeah, lower yeah, five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Raw yeah. Honey in 2019, that was one of my favorite records that year, uh, brought in uh, Wise Blood uh, to sing on a bunch of stuff like that. And that album is fantastic. Uh, they all feel like little movies. Uh, Hiding in Plain Sight is the new one. Uh, there's no different there as far as it feeling like a movie I think what is different is that it is so dialed in and so precise um, I joked about Steely Dan at the top but uh, the, it is a very Steely Dan was good because they were good like they, they, they got great musicians to play on the shit you know you can disagree with like the content you can do whatever you want but you can never say that Steely Dan were, were making like bad records like that's just yeah. not a thing that exists, uh, and I and I don't think you can say that about drug dealer either. And, and and for that, like that is really why I'm drawn to this project. It to see people uh, just executing with such precision. And and if you read the press release for this, you can see there's a lot of like doubt and confusion going into this stuff. But like the result at the end of whatever journey he takes and whatever journey he took to this resulted in a a pristine encapsulation of a time that like he certainly didn't live in i didn't even live in um but it existed yeah. nonetheless and and this this particular lens and color on it uh to me is just it, it's fascinating and lovely well it you know it it takes you there like it mm -hmm. takes you to where it's trying to i mean i think i don't know that i can that i can prove that but like but just listening to it like it, it seems to me like a just massive success in terms of the feel the sort of vibes um you know that 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 precision that you're talking about really um you know that that may be more than any other aesthetic choice is like the most steely dan thing you can be right is just to be absolutely uh you know difficult and pedantic about um about uh how to record solos or how to you know how to how to get the right sound or whatever right um it 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 left me you know there were a couple moments right where, where i thought is are we sure that no one from foxygen is in the is in the ah, mix here it has I'm a little not. bit of that i'm actually not yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if like a Ratto or one of those other guys were somehow lurking in the in the background, right. um, because it did it did remind me of that at at certain points. I'll say that it's it's surprising to me that a record this good is only what thirty. It's like under forty minutes. It's like thirty. Yeah, yeah. Thirty five minutes. Thirty three. Thirty three minutes. Mm -hmm. God, it's it's really it's really exceptional because as we were talking about what songs to play here. I mean, really, I could, you know, we could, we could almost play the whole album, and it would be shorter than us talking about it. Frankly, 
Yeah, which actually means we need to do better um, because, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, there, there's not there's not a miss on this um, because of of the uh, implied mission statement. Yeah, I, yeah. I I don't I I haven't really dug into and for this music like this I don't actually like to dig into uh, the lyrics too much until I'm ready. You know, I, I'm still uncovering stuff in Steely Dan's like lyricism. Uh, you know, what like I first heard him when I was 16. So what I don't know what is that? That's a lot yeah. of years, a lot of years. Um, but you know, this is the same way. Uh, you you are immediately brought in by a thing that feels good. You can dance to it, uh, which you can to this. Not 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 like yeah. you know really boogie down, but kind of like okay, you know, just hit a joint and, and mellow out. And you're like ooh, all right. And and you know what's 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 interesting too is is like the the sort of Steely Dan flavor that they've chosen is not the it's not the Asia flavor it's not it's not egg it's not it's you know it's it's much more that sort of those first couple of records it's much more any major dude it's much more um, dirty work right it's it's like good point much closer to the AM gold well uh, well well to that era. point there there's a there's a Tim Presley uh, vocalist sings on this uh, so this is something that that uh, Collins does a lot is gives up the mic like yeah again it's an implied like belief in this project that he doesn't have to be the star like the 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 right. the whole the 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 holistic thing is what's important and you see that across all the records you know where you see it's just like hey this is going to be better if this person sings it this is going to be better if this person does this uh more so than just standard like picking a musician for stuff i mean if you have a band going out and having like eight different guitarists on it when you make a record is a you think it's a weird choice but not not here uh not it's just like it, it makes sense because it's just like and it's not it, – it's using musicians, using their strengths to bolster the whole thing. So it, in that way, it's very egoless uh, and and produces a great a great product, a great album. Um, I, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, it, it, it only works if you, if if – when it's over, you want to listen to it again, right? I mean, I mean that's yeah. that's ultimately one of the one of the big tests of music is just you know, and it, it doesn't have to be right then and there, but 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 in general, if you're making music, I think it's your goal to make something that people will want to listen to more than once. Yeah. Um. And if it's and if it's just you know if it's just sort of like aping Steely Dan, then that's that's not going to get you there. And and I, I sort of found myself thinking, and 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 maybe we'll sort of revisit this after the next track, but like what. You know what is the right way to pay homage to Steely Dan? Is it is it by is it by sort of mimicking the technical complexity? Is it going for the feel? Is it is it really trying to get that sort of like those you know that 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 bass sound that we know so well from Asia, right? right. Along with the horns, um, and and this to me feels like the right. It feels like a really legitimate way to kind of pay to pay tribute to them. Yeah. I, uh, speaking of contributors, Kate Bollinger, she's a vocalist. Uh, she, she, yeah. yeah. I love that record of hers from, uh, was it like last, last year or something? Yeah. Let it be or something like that. Look at it the way it is. I don't know. It was one of those. Um, I think Faye Webster 
was big on her, promoted her, or something like that. Well, that's she, probably how she came uh, that, that, this, is yeah. start, this is starting to make a lot of sense. Yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. Whole, There's a whole weird, like, Daniverse coming, and I, I'm here for <laughs> it. Um, I want to play a little of the song that, that she uh, leads on. It's called Pictures of You. Uh, it's a beautiful song, but it also is like, it just fits in with the vibe of what you just heard. It's just like maybe later on in the day, uh, which is one of the magic tricks this album does. So here's a little of Pictures of You. track is radically reinventing the characters that say Donald Fagan would play. Yeah. And making them light and elegant and airy. But while at the same time clamping in like Skunk Baxter's guitar sound. Yes. And and delivering it as if you like did they sample a Steely Dan? They they didn't, but like delivering it as if it existed in this like previous recording session it's such a wild trick yeah and it's interesting too like in that solo i mean i mean i think he sort of stays within um you know there's there's i kept expecting it to kind of modulate or jump or get big and it it doesn't it stays it stays like pretty close to the root note it's just sort of playing around with you know what the what the cornerstone of that of that song is it's not necessarily trying to be all show-offy yeah yeah, it, it, it's like again. I I am in awe of of how this whole crew is just dialed into something that doesn't exist anymore. You mentioned Foxygen, but like who who is doing this? Everybody. Yeah, I was I was wondering that too. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, um, do we know that King Gizzard are not going to try to sound like Steely Dan at some point? We don't. We don't. And yeah. and, and and honestly, I think they could. Um, I think, yeah. and I think maybe they should. Um, yeah. I've been, I've been not let down by their output, but like the, the metal album, uh, Infest the Rats Nest was, was the high point. And then, mm-hmm. you know, indie fuckery has, has abounded, <laughs> but, yeah. But, yeah. but, but, you know, when you put out, that's what's great about that band. And, and I kind of wish that like drug dealer were like them and I understand why they're not, but is that they put out so much stuff. It becomes a, who cares? Like, do you, you, you like the band? Yeah. You, you like what they're putting down? It doesn't matter if you don't like like half of like they put out a new album today changes it doesn't matter if you don't like that album at all there were like seven other albums this year yeah. <laughs> that yeah. put out um so so you know you you have a lot to choose from 
from musicians um, and uh, and side note, a complete tangent, like that can lead to like you supporting musicians you like more. Yeah, yeah. they're they're not yeah. trying to they're they're trying to please you. They're not they're not trying to please the market. They're trying to please you. They're like we're just gonna our people like it when we do what we do. Yeah, which yeah. is an oversimplification of that. Um, yeah, I, I actually want to play another track to hit it hit like home on the the vibe of the instrumentation here. Uh, this is "Live and Drive in L.A.", which is a a, a play on "To Live and Die in L.A.", uh, which is a great movie, um, but also one of the greatest eighties Wang Chung songs of all time. Uh, but <laughs> I love that song so much. Uh, but th- this is not it, but it also, <laughs> again, if you've been to LA, you understand, uh, why the title is, is just funny as hell. But, um, th- this could be, this sound could be any dude in LA. <laughs> just, just at any moment. This is what the inside of the head sounds like. Even that flat Jaco Pastorius bass sound is so exact. Yeah. It's so exaggerated. Yeah, like yeah. It, the song just becomes funnier as it goes on because you're like, no, they're serious. They're really gonna stay there. Yeah, this, this is not going anywhere else. I'm I'm blanking on the Steely Dance song, but it might be something like the Fez or something like that, where there's like they use that that effect on the trumpet to give it that really like wop 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 kind of the, sound the, the like mute, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 the mute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank they, you. They do it um, on uh, East St. Louis Toodaloo. That might have been it. That mm-hmm. might have been it. I, I feel like there was another weird Steely Dan instrumental song that's like very much an acquired taste. But, uh, but, but, but this definitely, once I realized this song was instrumental, I was, I was again, you know, it just sent me back to square one, which is, wow, this is a really, this is a really thoughtful way to build on, uh, you know, what Steely Dan's music is yeah. to us, right? Yeah. So, so, I have a question for you. Like, how do we, two like middle-aged dudes, get to the point where we hear something like this, and it's our it's our favorite thing? Because there's there's going to be a resurgence coming of Steely Dan. I, I've made jokes about it. Uh, we were we were maybe still planning to do a series, although I I've said it many times. They're just good. Yeah, like like them or not, <laughs> but. They're all good. Yeah. Yeah. But what they are unlike any other music. 
in, in very weird and specific ways. And that's something for Steely Dan and for any bands like this that I feel is worth exploring. But how do you, what do you think tuned us into this that we're now like, yeah, this is not, this is not pastiche. This is fucking legit as hell. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, 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 I don't know that I have an answer to that, especially because, you know, while I've liked their past output, it hasn't really, just hasn't really connected with me strongly. So it's not like I have like a deep well of, you know, bias or sympathy for this band that's going to make me, uh, you know, uh, more willing to, to, to let them do stuff that I wouldn't let others get away with. I think I just, you know, from, from the minute I put this on, I just thought this is this is the thing I want to be listening to right now. And that's, you know, that's another underappreciated thing that a good record should do is it should make you want to listen to it and nothing else. It should it should convince you that the thing you're listening to is the best thing to listen to in that moment in time. And I just I just think the whole, that 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 this album nails it all the way through the one. You know, I, I in thinking about it now, I, 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 I do. I do wish it could have been, it could have had, you know, maybe one or two extra songs, although that might have then felt like right. belaboring the point. Um, so maybe I'll, maybe I'll walk that back. But, um, but other than to say that it's really well executed and kind of thoughtfully done and that, 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 you know, that attention to craft um, and to structure really, really comes across. I don't know that I have an answer for why this works and why countless other things might yeah. not work. Yeah. I, I my feeling is is the sense of humor. I think what people okay. get wrong about Steely Dan is is they don't understand how funny it is. Yes, like they don't under they, and and I could be off off on this, but I feel like a lot of people expect, especially in the time when they were like big, that an artist is coming to you with his feelings. An artist is coming to you, like talking about his life. And this is how he is, uh, and I think people made that mistake with the Eagles, um, and but I think they really miss m- just miss the joke uh, with Steely Dan, and uh, and I, and I hope people aren't missing the joke, and that's in quotes with drug dealer because what it is at the end of the day is just really good storytelling, and you know comedy and drama are the two the two main like pillars of storytelling, right? So you can either have like a a drawn out serious like emotional core deals with issues of the heart, love, or you make them laugh. And yeah. and like I kind of have laughed my way through this album partially because I'm like wow, they're really just doing that. And that 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 brings me a lot of joy. But partially because of, of this song and mostly because of this song that I want to play. Because, again, this is... <laughs> this, is this is a transition moment in the record, isn't it? This is, this is the... Well, it's at the end of the record. Yeah. But, but this, is, this is like every dude that would be like really up their own ass taking like this vibe seriously and trying to live it um, yeah. is this guy... Uh, he's a hard dreaming man, man. <laughs> just, this song's so great. Things I never thought I would. Nobody ever told me what was right and good. Was a hard dreaming man. I used to pawn anything I could get. I had a jam sport and some cigarettes. A young man they would soon forget. Was a hard dreaming man. Hard dreaming. 
to restaurant. Twelve sixty plays my favorite song. It's called Our Dream. Never thought I could. Nobody ever told me what was right and good. Was a hard dream, man. Hard dream, man. I wanna tell you all the things I love. Told me what you see. Hard dream, man. I gotta go any place I can go. Well, I feel like you can just kind of, um, you know, smell the the sort of beer-soaked rooms with creaky floorboards that the this bag, hard dreaming man has trafficked through. The yeah, bag. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, I mean, this is a this is a this is a road-hardened uh, song that is nevertheless kind of kind of sweet in its in its like. Uh, um, in its uh, bravado, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, that, that, that's the thing. It's like uh, who was it? Mike and the Moon Pies. A lot, a lot, yeah, a lot yeah. of their characters are, are this guy, right? Yeah, you know, yeah like yeah. he's totally wrong, totally wrong about everything. But but he's very sweet. Like he doesn't mean harm. And and I think what's great about this, and ultimately like the whole album, is how you know he's telling these stories. Clearly, people don't create things that don't have parts of them in it. Um, but for me, at least, it's best when those parts are inextricable from the thing. You can't really tell, like what you can't yeah. really tell their truth from the fiction that they're spinning. Um, and 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 you shouldn't care. You know, there's a line in there. Uh, I used to sleep anywhere I could. Done a lot of bad things. I never thought I would. Maybe maybe that's something that Michael Collins really feels. Um, yeah, but um, in the context of this character, this fucking hilarious. <laughs> like, yes, it's like you were you were that bad, dude. <laughs> like, trust me. And and this album has a has a little bit of a sense of narrative, right? Is it sort of about like mm. getting out of your own head or kind of learning to yeah, learning learning to. I mean, that's that's what aging is, right? Um, yes, getting out of your own head, getting out of your own way, learning to be with others, learning to be you. Yeah, and he, I mean, it was written during the pandemic, so okay. make of that okay. what, what you will. Uh, and uh, there was a point in there where he was questioning, like, how he sang and all this stuff, and it was uh, it was uh, it was Bollinger who said, hey, you know, you're just maybe singing in the wrong register. Hmm. And so he, he adjusted and, and apparently has found, like, his, his space. And it's fantastic. Like it yeah. just, uh, you know, I I don't. This is such a hard record to talk about for us, for me at least, because it's one of those again that I just accept as uh, this is just good. Yeah, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna when I have it in hands, I'm definitely gonna go deeper into the sort of the narrative and really get a sense of of like how the characters, yeah, you know, of of of, of just the story here. But I, do, I it, it it does seem to be something that. It does seem to be preoccupied with the with a with a question of just how how um, how do you know if you're on the right 
on the right path to wherever you're supposed to go. Right. Again, like I'm saying yeah. this, I'm, I'm like, oh, that's that's just adulthood. <laughs> yeah. Right. But yeah. but it is. But but I mean, but that's why it's that's why it works, I think, too, is that the themes are resonant. The themes are important. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that, that ultimately is the best songwriting. Yeah. The themes right. are resonant. They're important. They're general. Um, yeah. And and you know, regardless of the idiom, you can get in. I hope I hope people aren't scared of this. I hope people listen to us right now who are like, I only really listen to jazz or only really listen to indie rock. I hope they're like, oh no, no, this is this is something that I might be able to fit into my rotation. Yeah. Find, find a little time in your day for it. It 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 feels like I I haven't had a chance to try it out in all these different circumstances, but I could see it working. In so many different contexts, I can see it working, you know, early in the morning over a cup of coffee. I can see it working as the sort of music that you put on while you're making dinner. I could see it working as the thing that you play off of a boombox when you take a beach towel out and sit in the park and uh, decide to enjoy the sun and you just want to have something there with you. It's really good after a few bong hits. (laughs) (laughs) I I just want to point that out. Uh, Or a gummy, whichever way you roll. So we'll be we'll be we'll be testing it with the bubbler later. We'll nice, see. nice. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll be back in about two weeks, and uh, I said we're going to talk about Bill Frizzell. There's also a really great compilation coming out that I can't talk about yet, but you'll hear about you'll hear more about it soon. You've heard, but you'll hear more about it soon. All right, we are out. 